The Sacred Dynamics podcast explores some of the biggest topics of our time, including the true nature of reality, the healing and awakening process, the evolution of consciousness, deception on the path, natural law, and daring to tackle the greatest of all quests, the journey of self-realization. Through conscious awareness and the law of correspondence, we engage individually and thus collectively in the restoration of humanity, embodying life itself, and our symbolic relationship with nature. Dear Sacred Souls, welcome to the 14th episode of the Sacred Dynamics podcast. Thanks for listening. In our last episode, we went into a very interesting topic. We talked about the light and the shadows, dissecting the shadow and revealing the light. We highly recommend listening to it because it has great nuggets and very valuable insight. By popular demand, in today's episode, we are expanding on our continuously revealing discussion with the huge topic of health sovereignty. The Hermanich Heilkunde, GHK slash GNM, and of course, ultimate sovereignty, aka self-realization. In this program shift in understanding uh, illness and disease, we learn to think in a biological terms, to restore biological and physiological coherence, allowing continuity within the biological and spiritual understanding of illness and healing. We will revisit the complete shift in wellness perspective and revealing many valuable and profound basics. Today, our discussion leads us through learning while you are still healthy, challenging core beliefs, challenging false health benefits, the basics on the five biological laws, what is health sovereignty, why is this knowledge so relevant, the biological and spiritual understanding of illness and, heal and healing, daily awareness application, how this aligns to the great work or self-realization, and of course, the golden nuggets. Let's begin by mentioning that it's not anymore a question of whether psychological processes could trigger physical processes. Not that, not that it ever was to the ancient and seers. And so, within that line of understanding, and to peel back to a deeper level, I am grateful to introduce the ever-steady and always-relevant Brother Jay. Hello there, Brother Ro. Thank you. Welcome to this now, my brother. And 14th episode, my friend. 14th episode. Incredible. Congratulations. Congratulations to our listeners. Thank you. Thank you, dear listeners, for your interest and support. Let's take a closer look at this initial profound statement that you made, I think. Let's start off here, and that is, learn this while you are healthy. Yes, And this is something that Dr. Hammer said. We, mm -hmm. we might say a little bit about him. What do you think? Wow, absolutely. Why not? I mean, why don't we, why don't we start by prefacing the point that this, this very profound body of evidences, this scientific uh, knowledge and rediscoveries, came to us through the prolific and absolutely genius Dr. Reich Gerd Hammer, or Hammer, uh, better pronounce it. And 
you know, this is this level of work came through a what would be considered a personal tragedy and following health opportunity that this doctor from Germany went through. And ultimately, through this, uh, you know, through the tragedy of the death of his son, he took on these levels of uh, biological adaptation in the form of cancer, and as a doctor, was in the position and had the obvious very high level of interest to see what the correlations were between the tragedy of losing his son and what he experienced with cancer. And through his uh, discoveries, they just kept on popping. It was like one after the other after the other. And he was essentially pulling a thread back on on really unraveling or revealing what was actually happening in the body. Yeah. And it turns out that what he had peeled back in evidence and ultimately I've heard numbers of up to 15,000 cases yeah. of patients where he had been able to prove unequivocally these different findings and had brought it all the way down to the level scientifically where those evidence could be brought forward to medical boards at academic levels and introduced in order to uh, test their validity and understand the repercussions of this information. And understanding at some level the power and the persuasion of this contemporary medical paradigm, he was initially met, I would say maybe at lower on the chain, he was initially met with awe and, um, you know, excitement and huge levels of interest that he had just peeled back such a significant shift in how things were being operated. Yeah. And once it got to that level, I mean, there was in the early days, let's say early 80s, there were some medical boards in Europe that ultimately had reviewed this work and have absolutely no capacity to refute it. And as soon as it got to that level, basically that's where it started to turn because Mm -hmm. that's where this information would need to be uh, ultimately uh, stopped in its tracks. Hidden. Hidden from sight. And not just... and, And, you know, the way they hide things is that they use counter information and all sorts of different tactics to, you know, to, to, to create, uh, you know, all sorts of things over top of it and to misdirect and to, you know, so, you know, the, the, I think one of the couple of really profound things about Dr. Hummer, I mean, uh, you know, in his, in his time, because he passed away, I believe it was 2017, 2017 or 2018. We may need to check on that. Um, but what he left behind because he was ultimately the engine behind this, and he was going up against the biggest of the opponents here. Yeah, he was fighting the monster. I mean, he was going up and going. These are these are irrefutable. I mean, when we get into some of this in this episode, I think it's really valuable for people for us to peel back some of these different aspects of this, because otherwise, 
it's almost uh, hard to approach this body of evidence and this body of science based on not just the lack of comprehension of it out there, but ultimately the amount of, um, what would you say, like counter, um, um, what's the term? Like there's, there's, there's all sorts of counter information that's being placed there and all sorts of ways to try to um, de- to even generate degrade the value of it or the yeah and to even generate confusion no absolutely so for people to get lost in the woods and not being able to see what's really there no yeah I information mean, I, warfare uh-huh exactly mm-hmm. i think it's uh i mean what dr hummer did was really amazing and once you start looking into it and as you say understanding the the literature but also the practice in your own health, in mm-hmm. your own body, that's where, where the beautiful stuff starts coming up, no? Absolutely. That's when you really know that this is something really valuable. And to be honest, I started studying with you this, this, uh, this uh, basically this- Royal art. Royal art. And, uh, <clears throat> and not necessarily to, to, be, to become a, a therapist, because that would be something really difficult in time. Mm-hmm. But- I'm really happy to getting to know the information so that I can communicate it to my family, my direct family, yeah. in order to, I mean, with, with only that, that's super valuable. Huge. That's, that's huge. And that's for me at this stage, it's enough, but really valuable information. So I, I hope you guys really enjoy this, this episode. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll go into it. Uh, and uh, yes, uh, I invite you to open up to this information because it's really life-changing. Sure, and there's more, um, you know, there's more to to learn about it, and 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 it's kind of it can be a difficult path for information on this, like we said, because of the level of information warfare, and even internally, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of different levels of conflict internally based on, uh, you know, keeping this body of evidences and this level of and body of science keeping it from being uh, manipulated and you know which is what has been kind of the countermeasures that have been coming in that direction ever since it ultimately had you know made it to some of the medical boards yeah and so you know and 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 one more thing which is so amazing is it like you know dr hummer was a an absolute genius. I mean, he was the youngest physician in the, in, you know, in the history of physicians. And this is an allopathic, he started as an allopathic physician. So it's not like he, you know, he came from that school and which is partly also how profound this is, mm-hmm. is that understanding that school and then tearing apart and bringing this paradigm in is totally different than just bringing some paradigm in, but not actually fully indoctrinating into the process yeah. of the allopathic medical first. Yeah. So that's profound. And I mean, Dr. Hummer has like to this day, like 20 some patents of different, um, you know, tools that are used in the medical profession right now. Absolute genius. Yeah. So it's amazing. And so what would he say uh, when we, we say about learning while you're healthy? He said, let's talk about Dr. Hummer. Now let's... Now let's look at that whole adage of learn while you're healthy. Why is that? You know, they're saying, make sure you learn this while you're healthy. Yes, definitely. And I think it's really important because, you know, as they say, you know, 
once you uh it's like trying to teach someone that it's drowning it's really complicated once how you are in teach that them state, how to swim teaching how to swim yeah uh-huh no mm-hmm. it's really complicated so yeah definitely and but how how would you describe the importance of this of this uh tip of learning while you're healthy yeah well you know what i'm actually going to use some personal experience to help to display that because simply i could say When one is in a panic mode, one doesn't have much bandwidth. When one is in, you know, certain aspects of fear, when the spell of fear and unknowing sets in, the diagnosis shock that comes from the quote-unquote expert. Yeah. Um, and this is when the pressure's on. This is when there's no bandwidth. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna point it out. Not only have it's it's really interesting because. Both of us have gone through pretty extreme health opportunities. And so we've actually been on the front line of going through the different aspects of what happens when you engage with the, uh, you know, with this contemporary medical paradigm. And one of the key aspects that I'll mention is that, you know, myself, when I went through some of these pieces, I can look back And I can see how this, uh, what we were saying about the diagnosis shock, for example. Yeah. You're taking on a conflict, biological conflict shock at the moment of the, of the doctor giving you, reading you your, what their take on what's going on for you, which when you don't know this royal art and don't understand the biology It's like you're talking to the only person who actually knows. Yeah. And then they hit you with it. But you already are going through biological conflict shock. So what does that do? It creates a cascading effect. It makes it worse. Makes it worse. And I'm talking, you know, uh, and I'm going to mention this. I have a, uh, um, a beautiful uh, soul that was introduced to myself uh, maybe six months ago <clears throat> through a... Um, Uh, through a, a a friend in common, and I had been communicating and uh, and and kind of uh, this lady had reached out to me to communicate about cancer, the healing process, different you know where where this lady is at within her process, and I can tell you firsthand that the degree of difficulty to help an individual to comprehend an entire paradigm shift in what's going on in their body once they've already succumbed to the fear and the shock and the diagnosis shock, I can tell you firsthand that it is very, very difficult to do. And so, for example, with this, uh, this woman, because she is at such an advanced stage of this cascading effect of conflict that and that she's taken these different methods of um, treatment, allopathic treatment, and that her family is behind the doctors and, and, and the inertia that's holding her in this level of fear It's basically like you just can't get 
to the level playing field where you could say, forget what they said. That's not true. Cool. Forget what you just went through. Forget all of the poison and the different things that have been done to you. Forget all those because that's not even what's happening to you. Like, hmm. and you're so, you know, that far in. Yeah. It's like, it's pretty, it's pretty tough because you got to have a good bandwidth. And so ultimately learn it while you're healthy is because as soon as you go into that cascading effect, you're not going to have the bandwidth to start, you know, objectively looking at different aspects of this, because at that point it's like, um, the grim reaper is chasing you or whatever the, you know, you're being chased down now and you're like someone saying, Hey, no, no, just sit down in the grass there and hang out for a bit. Don't worry. You're like, no man, I'm being chased. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And it's super important to, to recognize the role that fear plays in all of this. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the religion of medicine or mm-hmm. how would you say it? It's like, it's almost like a religion. Well, now you're getting into it. Uh, it. It's not almost like one, bro. It is a religion. Absolutely. Because you 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 would say that because people believe blindly in the medical system. Well, not just that, actually. Look at this. When when you start to look at the underpinnings of the actual paradigm that the contemporary system utilizes as far as illness and what the body's going through, it's completely based on religious underpinnings. That's why with Melissa, when we had Melissa, uh, Dr. Melissa Sell on number 11, yeah. that's why uh, I had mentioned and brought back up that point and said, boy, there sounds like there's some religious underpinnings here yeah. because what they're doing is they're playing the whole good and evil game on you which is what religion is utilizing in different aspects. It's utilizing this whole, the, you know, the, uh, the concept that there's this good and evil and that uh, your body is going through, that your body's taking on the evil. I mean, there's like, uh, you know, there's like tradition where, uh, look back into some different traditions where someone is ill and they bring the witch doctor in, mm-hmm. in order to exercise and, and, uh, you know, the demons? Expel the demons. Expel. That's the religious connotation behind it. So what yeah. are they doing? They're going, you're being invaded by the bad guys. Yes. And you need to build up your good guys. But the bad guys are always around the corner. They're always waiting for you. Right? This is where it's it's all has religious underpinnings still. Yeah. It's like a huge, huge, big program. In fact, you know, uh, this is a side conversation that probably we're not going to go very deep in this podcast, but I can say this. There were different times where uh, there's, there's, you know, there's a, the majority, first off, the majority of the information of Dr. Hummer is in German. Mm-hmm. And translating German to English and not losing any of the very clear and concise uh, and precise way that it was expressed is not easy. The majority of those books by the house that holds the trust of Dr. Hummer, they aren't chasing around to pump this out in all the languages. I mean, this is majorly controversial. 
having someone who actually can comprehend now that Dr. Hummer's not around to be able to be involved with that. Um, you know, there's a lady that there's a site online uh, um, that was basically a translation, um, learngnm.com. Uh, Carolyn Markelin is her name, I believe. And she, at some point, was working to do some of the translations and work with Dr. Hummer. But uh, after some time, what happens is, is that a lot of the translations, she was using, uh, you know, and filling certain spaces and adding different, let's just put it as soft concepts. Mm -hmm. And what that does is that starts to dilute the concise nature of these evidences and so you know that alone makes it a little complex now having said that when we are you know bringing to the table these evidences it's really important that we have a responsibility that we're not making some inflection into this work. We're not adding something that we decided that it was like this or that, but that we're really observing those evidences in ourself. And, 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 you know, typically when people want to learn something, they're like, I'm going to go get the book. I'm going to go take some courses, all that stuff. But the key to this one is that of course, getting the information that's closest to the original work is very important. For sure. That's one. Number two, learning to think and see in a biological manner Mm. instead of a psychological manner. That's another level to this comprehension that I wanted to bring to the table. Or a non-biological manner. Or a non-biological manner, exactly. As we are accustomed to. Absolutely. Yeah. And so when the way that the biology processes, we're not aware of. Mm -hmm. We don't really comprehend it. Yeah. And... Um, well, absolutely import- important to learn while one is healthy. Yeah, huge. Yeah. Huge. And I uh, went off on a tangent, didn't I? No, but I, I mean, it's, uh, it's <clears throat> I mean, good information, definitely. And, and, and we're trying to go slow at the beginning of this episode to, to give you the scope of the, or the context yeah. that all of this has. Because if one goes into Wikipedia or Google uh, GHK, you're, you're going to start finding... It's colorful. You'll find... Yeah, you'll a find... A little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately from uh, from complete misinformation to taking the information and twisting it up. Yeah. Right? But the, the, the amazing thing, as we said, is when you start learning to think biologically and start <laughs> applying this knowledge into your daily life and your and your experience, you'll find that there's... It's like no... No missing. Uh, yeah, there's. It's, it's like mathematical. It's very, it's very precise. No, and that's why, man. That's why we are uh, bringing this uh, body of evidences and body of science and body of knowledge. That's why we're weaving this into the self-realization path. Absolutely, we're weaving it in because it's essentially bringing coherence. To, to, you know, like ultimately we're looking at it and saying there is a lack of coherence between the, between the biology and the psychology. Mm-hmm. 
So we're, you know, we've got these conditions. And I mean, it, it's so amazing because someone doesn't, it doesn't know what's going on in their body. They don't understand how that has any relation to any other occurrences that have happened typically. And they're just stuck. I don't know. I'm, I feel pain. It's acute. It's dull. It's here. I don't know what it is. And I hope it ends. Yeah. But when you start to look at it in this body of evidence and looking through this biological process, you start to find out not only is it that there's something intelligent that's happening, because remember, that's actually what I was, that's what I was aiming at in that last, last comment when it had to do with good and evil, right? And so when we start to, we start to see it in a, in a more uh, biological way and in a more, in a context where let's throw out, because I know we're going to talk about the biological laws here, but let's just throw out the fifth law, which is the law of quintessence, which yeah. ultimately is stating that. There is nothing here that is malignant. It's not that this environment here is has all these invisible invaders and that you're in danger. Exactly. That's not actually what's happening. That's where the religious underpinnings of keeping yeah. an individual in that space of fear and, uh, you know, going to the third party. That's what I was alluding to on episode 11. I was saying, and you remember, you're like, get in line. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> because we're saying, you're afraid. I wait, you have to wait in the waiting room <clears throat> and now you come to me and it's like, you're coming to the, the priest or the pastor or, you know, whatever level it is that is the third party yeah. that communicates to the one for you. Yes. And that's kind of how they've positioned the doctors. Absolutely. And, I, and, <laughs> and, and what I really like about this, because we are definitely challenging some core beliefs and uh, w one of these is the victim versus responsible. How would you describe? I mean, when oh you, when yeah. You, yeah, I mean, because when you're when you're down or operating under the allopathic, traditional medicine, whatever, you are definitely a victim. Yes, and you're and and you're fostered to be that. That exactly. And so now that's what you're bringing up is so significant because it's not just being used in the health sector. But we'll, we'll see how it's tied together. But in the health sector, that leveraging mechanism, this is relating to, you see, I would say probably the slipperiest slope. And when I call a slippery slope, meaning that it's just really hard to get out of this position, yeah. victim mentality is probably the slipperiest slope there is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's crazy because ultimately what happens in that whole victim space, and it's fostered very dramatically in our world, the victim is being fostered here. The reason to foster the victim is because then it builds more uh, enabling of that victim in order that the victim is constantly on guard of the perpetrator, mm -hmm. in order that the victim needs to finger the perpetrator, what, no matter what. I need to point out that there is a perpetrator, which is why I'm a victim. Yeah. And so all they do is just feed perpetrators and feed uh, victim. That's what's going on. And yes. the victim mentality is so difficult if you communicate. And, and I know that people who are listening, there are people who are listening that definitely have either some level of this going on in their own experience or someone, their significant other or 
their kids or their friends. You're going to find when you find this victim mentality, you're going to you're and, and you are present and you witness, you find out that the victim will do whatever it takes not to be accountable or responsible mm-hmm. because that's the job of the perpetrator. Wow, that's such a such a uh, mind-boggling concept. It is. And uh, so, I mean, and, and it's understandable in a way because being a victim, it's kind of comfortable because it's easier to take a pill than to take responsibility of your absolutely of your actions or absolutely. Of your experience. So that's so much easier to keep you in that state. Exactly. And then toss you a pill so that it suppresses the sensation and keep on pointing out more perpetrators to you. Exactly. And so what what uh, GHK uh, proposes is for individuals to take responsibility right into their hands. Yes. And you know Uh, walk away from the victimhood type of uh, ambient, um, but that's difficult. And it's so, hugely difficult. Mm-hmm. It's it's, I mean, on a daily basis of of having the beautiful responsibility and and opportunity to support, uh, you know, souls on their healing and awakening path. It is. Uh, very <clears throat> difficult space. It's very hard, difficult ground. And you would, you know, you can communicate with someone who's in this victim mentality and everything seems like everything's fine. Everything's normal until it starts to get to accountability and responsibility. Oh. And then everything goes sideways because <clears throat> the card is played, and that's what's being played here in this realm right now, is that the card is being played where now all of a sudden it turns into a very narcissistic game because then you get turned into the perpetrator. You see? Let's let's try to build on an example. Okay. <clears throat> how, how, how does one is turned into becoming the perpetrator? Well, look at it this way. If I'm not supporting your uh, imagined reality, where I'm not supporting that the person that you're pointing your finger at, at the perpetrator, if I'm coming up and saying, that's not the perpetrator, you are, then the obvious response is going to have something related to either your lack of scope, your lack of empathy, your mm. uh, not honoring their journey, you're not respecting their experience. You, I mean, it just, it comes from everywhere because yeah. the whole point of the victim is, it, the reason it's a slippery slope is because whatever you serve the victim, they're going to serve it back to you. Oof, I understand. Right? Wow, that's... That, that is a slippery slope. Yes, and, and I'm going to tell you something. It is a certain level of, uh, let's call it a, uh, wow, I'm just coming up with a, a way to call this. This is like, it's a certain technology. You understand what I mean? Yeah. There's a technology to it. And so it, it's like, what a, a profound and sinister technology. Exactly. Because it's like, 
that individual will do whatever it takes to deflect because they're playing a character that couldn't possibly be the perpetrator. Yeah. It's like a it's like a deep program and potentially that's why sometimes they call these negative programs viruses. There you go. <laughs> you know, I, as as uh, you know, many have have put it and I put this at the beginning, fear is the virus. Fear is the virus. Oh yeah. yeah. And that's a, a horrible, terrible virus. Yeah, well, and and that's you know the victim is is related to that because yeah. it's you know w- once you introduce absolutely once you introduce this level of uh, <clears throat> fear conditioning, oh, it's like uh, it's ultimately I I would like to I would like to put it like this. When an individual is going through that process, ultimately, the way out is that ultimately, they're going to have to be shown that they're the perpetrator. On their own, they're going to have to find out. Yeah. And that isn't easy to, you know, it's like you're all of a sudden you've got a, the same thing as Learn it while you're healthy. Now all of a sudden you're trying to get someone to see something that they're living a reality that you're saying isn't real. Yeah. <laughs> it gets complicated, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So there's there's some uh, challenging of core beliefs, uh, definitely. And also there are some false health beliefs. Yeah. Well, and actually on beliefs, not just... We can point out health beliefs because this is related to the paradigm of the contemporary medicine. But just the significance of actually challenging and breaking beliefs themselves is very significant because there may be an area that you're not comfortable enough to break yet, but you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And so... You know, breaking beliefs is as as simple as ultimately choosing to be willing to field different perspectives than the one that you have locked onto. And being willing because you're interested in growth. That's why you would do it. If you're not interested in growth then why would you start to make things quote-unquote difficult for yourself if all you have to do, like you said earlier, it's like a convenience. All you have to do is, you do this right now. You go walk around and tell, oh man, I've got the, I got the thing and I, I've got the, whatever they call the name of the latest thing that comes from the invisible air around you. None of which I seem to have been able to catch. But, you got that, and all you have to do is go, oh, no, I have this. Oh, man, wow, what are you going to do about it? Oh, I'm going to take this. And it's like a fostering. Like, it's like yeah. all you got to do is signal. And that's why, you know, um, that's why there was a term that was introduced by um, Carolyn Miss. <clears throat> and the term that she used was pain body. And the pain body is ultimately this personality structure that is built around conflicts. 
Mm. Now you start to see why is it so complicated? I'm going to peel right here one of the most significant parts. Why is it so complicated for an individual to see these different, the connections to these different things? And the reason that it's so difficult for them to see it is because their personality is literally based on the conflicts themselves. So imagine that you would literally have to go against who you think you are in order to change what you think you know about it. Yes. Wow. You see? That's tough. And uh, I I love the, I mean, as you said right now, it's... uh, uh, this is for one that is interested in growth. So pro- potentially growth may be, a sy- may be synonymous to responsibility, which is Absolutely. antonymous to uh, victimhood. Right. No? So, uh, so GHK is saying, of course, learn this while you're healthy. Uh, there's many core beliefs that need to be challenged to mm-hmm. understand it mm-hmm. and also it, it mentions that uh, traditional medicine it's all about suppre- the suppression of symptoms mm-hmm. so uh, we would say that GHK is a causal ca- causal therapy mm-hmm. causal it's causal mm-hmm. so it's it's completely focused on finding the cause so can you uh, talk a little bit about this probably mentioning the the, the compass yeah. And, and you, you know, to, to give our listeners a scope of how this operates in, yeah. a, in a general manner. Sure. So if we look at it, if, if we look at that being the paradigm shift that we're using the cause, because what's built into the cause, of course, is the solution. You find the solution from the cause. And so when you speak of causal therapy, now you start to, th- there's a big question mark here for a lot of people who are entering into this, and even people who've been getting involved in this, they're still looking at it going, but how do you therapize? How do you work through this? Mm -hmm. And so let's kind of take it a little bit step by step. We've mentioned it in some other podcasts, but because of the response, because of the questions and the responses, we're compelled and it's by obvious nature that we're bringing this back in. And we feel that it's really skillful that we would continue to circulate into some of the areas that need to be peeled back a bit and to, to, to allow one to start to comprehend it. And so when we talk about the, the conflict, when we're saying that, let's, let's point out that basically that start, we start with the relation with the first biological law which is known as the iron rule of cancer. Mm -hmm. And so basically this first biological law is referring to the fact that every illness is basically, you know, a originates from this, what we're talking about as a biological conflict shock. So every significant biological special program, because once that shock, when you hit the shock, and again, what is the shock? In order that we, we, in order we would classify it as a, biological conflict shock, there are three criteria that were established by Dr. Hammer, Yeah. right? So one of the criteria is that you're caught on the wrong foot, meaning that obviously it came out of nowhere, you didn't expect it. The second one is that it is felt isolative, meaning that you're on your own and this thing hits you and you're the one who felt it and you're by yourself dealing with it in some sense. And uh, what, what am I missing? The third one. The it's a highly acute. A highly acute dramatic. And 
I want to point out that the highly acute dramatic part, I just want to point out to the listeners, don't overlook the fact that there are things that happen that you psychologize and say wasn't highly acute and dramatic, how you oh, could... that's an important point. Very. Yeah. Because I've communicated with individuals who say, nah, I didn't go through... Nah, there was nothing like when you say the whole dramatic part, nah, nothing really dramatic happened. And it's because, A, when they went through it, they psychologized about their experience. And number two, typically, people get distracted immediately as soon as possible after going through some biological conflict shock, and then they bury it in memories. Yeah, and also important is that the... The, the the SBSs or the biological conflicts uh, are interacting with the subconscious. Right. What, so w what you're saying is that if I go through an experience that it's, that it's highly acute dramatic, it's highly acute dramatic for the subconscious. Right. So if I start intellectualizing and diminishing it. Right. That's like... The, then you could walk away and say that wasn't dramatic. Exactly. But it was. But it was and the body took it on. And then the other one, when you say isolated, uh -huh. I think it's important to mention that you're not necessarily alone. Right. You se. could be in a group. Exactly. The isolated part is that there's you're the only one who's... You're, you're dealing with this in your own world. Mm -hmm. This is This is, you know... That this is now yours, and you're you're dealing with this experience, and somehow, the isolativeness uh, of it, I think that probably it would be. Uh, I think it would be a good idea to mention that when you're in a group and an event takes place, for example, there are some people in that group that are going to comprehend that event and relate it to something that, for example, this stinks. Let's, let's bring in a simple one. Yeah. This stinks, what just happened. I went through the biological conflict shock and this stinks. This sucks. No, this is an annoyance. And so right away, where do the symptoms go for the stink conflict? They go to the nose. Well, there could be people that leave an event with, uh, and, and, you know, the event, let's say that the event takes place and based on the uh, uh, level of the conflict shock, let's say that it, it took place and then they walked away and ultimately the body found a solution within a few hours, mm -hmm. right? The system found a solution. You didn't get in the way. The, the system found the solution was, was, was close by and it hit the solution. It hits the solution and you switch into your symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. The symptoms for the stink conflict are obviously related to the olfactory system. They're related to the running nose, right? But there's also people that could leave that event and it didn't stink to them, but to them, they were defiled. Mm -hmm. So there was some level of defilement that happened in that because it has to do with how they are proposing themselves to the environment. Yes. So there could be a bunch of people that get a stink conflict and then you go, oh, they all got the cold. There could be a bunch. There's some people that could take on the devaluation conflict and start to have, you know, the necrotizing and the melting away of muscle and, and uh, connective tissue, ultimately down to bone. 
all of them could have gone through the one, what event. seemed like one event. Yeah. And, and so because of that, you see that each individual is taking it on in their own world. Exactly. And that's what's applying because I'm, I'm, I'll point this out. They're essentially through character positionality. This is what is the, uh, a major difficulty, degree of difficulty in the body, just going through its biological processes mm -hmm. is that whole character all of a sudden getting in the way and being afraid of this. And, you know, it's just, that's kind of, I just wanted to expand on the isolative part because that helps people to comprehend that one guy comes home and his wife left him and she was the world to him and his whole life revolved around it. And immediately he goes through this major territorial loss conflict. Mm -hmm. Another guy goes home, his wife leaves him. He had another girlfriend and he didn't even want to be with his wife. And so that guy could actually feel that that was a great event that took place. Exactly. Same phenomena. What's different? The difference is the character and the associations that that character makes. Yes. That's what makes it individual. That's what makes it isolative. I agree. And what's fascinating about this first biological law, the iron rule of cancer, it's that uh, it reflects in the three levels of the organism, no? Yeah. Like the, the, the SBS, it's going to be uh, localized in, a, in... Well, let's point this out. Before yeah. you do, let's point this out. When we say an SBS... That is, a, that is the program that's deployed. That's the biological program that's deployed in the body to correct the event. Yes. The, the, the trigger for the conflict, which is known as the DHS or the Durkheimer syndrome, that's the moment of conflict shock. At the moment of conflict shock, the deployment of this special program is released related to the level of brain, the level of the germ layer, the level of the body, and it just deploys its program. And it goes, this is what's built in biologically over the procession of the, ev the evolution of the, uh, you know, um, organism. Yeah. And this is what's built in and deployed. Part of the reason we don't understand that is because we're psychologizing in some world that's very unbiological right now in many senses for most people. Yeah. And so that's why it seems so far away. Now, I just wanted to, uh, to point that out yes. because now when you say the SBS and speak about this, this biological special program, now we understand that that's released upon... Uh, Conflict upon the conflict, yes, right. and and uh, again and and like the SBS, it, it, that those SBSs mean uh, it's what we know about the symptom. No, yeah, it's the there's what the sense is exactly, mm -hmm. and so uh, one thing that is really fascinating, I think, is that in when when one has this uh, conflict shock, um, it's registered in three parts simultaneously right. on the body. Mm -hmm. So it hits the brain, the psyche, and the organ. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's really magical because that's one of the things that uh, when, when, when this was analyzed in the academia and they couldn't uh, negate mm -hmm. 
the actuality of yeah they of, couldn't refute the the evidences exactly mm -hmm. um, so this is amazing uh, this means also that when when the brain is uh, analyzed through a CT or a brain tomography mm -hmm. yeah you can CT actually scan. see some patterns right yeah they're like a bullseye it's like a ringed uh, you know um, like a, a ringed bullseye and these are the things that I mean, ultimately, those are irrefutable. You just can't get anyone ultimately almost to read one. The evidence that whatever you just took on is irrefutable, that every single time someone takes on a biological conflict shock, that ringed formation mm -hmm. instantly shows up in the brain. It also instantly shows up at the organ level. Mm-hmm. And these are things that have complete uh, evidences and, uh, you know, s scientific uh, structure to them. And so that's because whenever you look at something as a whole, w this is so profound what we're talking about, because ultimately this is a holistic way of looking at how the structure works. Yes. And so now you start to see, again, another parallel between the, uh, the GHK, the GNM, and this parallel to realization. Mm -hmm. Because you can't know the whole by its individual parts. You have to perceive the complete connectivity to comprehend the whole. And, and now again, now you see why when we talk about allopathic medicine, because there's an important distinction, and we've made this before, when it comes to emergency medicine, when it comes to those different levels that the, that the contemporary system is built on, it's not to, to put down and, 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 and make it so we don't honor that there is different levels of that emergency medicine that can be beneficial. This is much more related to the skillfulness of comprehending something as a whole mm -hmm. and recognizing that as that, as a whole, all parts are functioning in an interrelated communication. So if you say, all right, well, there's something wrong with my, uh, you know, with my, uh, whatever you don't, it doesn't matter. Name a part. There's a doctor for it. There's, I've got an issue with my eyes. Go to the ophthalmologist. Okay. Now I go to the ophthalmologist and I go, tell me how this is related to my gut. Tell me how this is related to which organs. Tell me how this is related to the rest of the body. And they're like, well, the eyes are their own, uh, genre. <laughs> and we are pros of the eye genre. And it's like, look, you can't be a pro of the eye genre if you don't comprehend the whole. Yes. And how it is all orchestrating and working in a masterful procession. And that's part of the beauty of this work is that it brings you to the stages where you can shift from a fear-based lack concept that you're going through this uh, terrible uh, experience that 
you know, that you don't deserve and you don't know why it happened and how are we going to get rid of it? And instead you start to, you start to see magic, you, right? You start to see profound levels of coherence within your structure that you never, you know, appreciated or even noticed before. And you're like, wow, this thing's, this thing's genius. It is. It is. <laughs> and so that's, that's kind of like a, the first biological law. Mm-hmm. No? If, we were, if we were to move to the second biological law, mm-hmm. how would you explain our audience? Okay. <clears throat> Thank you. So the second biological law, which is known as the law of two phases, introduces ultimately what the, the, the process of this conflict shock and then how does the conflict shock go through its other phase? It goes from the, um, you know, we're going uh, from a biological conflict shock in shifting into a resolution phase. Mm-hmm. So the first phase of it is that you are switched into this, what we, what we call um, the sympathetic state or sympathetic thycotonia. Mm-hmm. And we're switched into that state and in that first phase, and it deploys this uh, special biological program. The second phase of this is that now we're switching uh, into the resolution phase. In the resolution, you're going into now the symptoms, right? So there's this two-phase process that's happening. Yes. And there's other phases in there. In fact, look, the two-phase is day and night. It's sympathetic and vagatonic. Mm-hmm. It's active and inactive. It's masculine and feminine. It's a sine wave. Exactly. So now when you watch it, and that's the beauty of when you, when you see this, uh, with this work, you see how it's tied into larger natural uh, occurrences and yes. structures. So now we start to see that when you are in your natural process, you are on the sine wave and you are oscillating day and night. You're oscillating between active and inactive. You're oscillating between sympathetic and vegatonic. Mm-hmm. And also you are switching between conflict active and conflict resolved. Yes. Right? And that introduces what's known as the Hummer's compass, which is um, a really great illustration that helps us understand that you're running through normal rhythm. Then you take on a conflict Immediately it switches on and you go into the sympathetic state. And that that point, of course, you, this is the cold phase, can't sleep, compulsive thinking, heart racing, no appetite, high energy. A lot of people right now are saying, whoa, I feel like that right now. <laughs> and they're going, yeah, but I, I just, that was because I'm really jacked and I drank three cups of coffee or whatever. But when you peel back things to a different level, you start finding out, you probably just took on a conflict shock or you stepped into a track. And, and here's, an, here's an example. Um, when, when, when one is executing a, like a super intense project yeah. where there's a lot of pressure and a lot of stress mm-hmm. into the project, most likely one is going to experience a DHS because something might go wrong at some point. Well, something could, yeah, because ultimately it's psychological until, until it hits the biological button. Exactly. And so psychologically you could say, I'm taking on a bunch of stress and I'm going through that, but that's not a biological conflict shock. That's a uh, psychological conflict shock. In order to 
switch on this process. All it would take is that in that environment, something shows up that hits you off guard, right? So now you start to see it as long as it hits the three criteria. Exactly. Boom. All of a sudden they're on it. I remember years and I mean, many years ago, I remember at different times where I was like, you know, my hands are ice cold. My feet are cold. I'm in, you know, I'm in the corporate gig and I'm, you know, and, and, and all of these different, basically what you would say are the criteria for being conflict, having gone conflict active. Yeah. I was in that. But at the time, what I was doing was going, why are my hands cold? Is the air conditioning too cold? What's, what's going on? And, and, and just going on with things and, you know, yeah. not even comprehending that you're literally going through a biological <laughs> process, but you're distracted. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And, and, and once you finish whatever intense situation you're in and you feel the, the cold face, you can't sleep, you have compulsive thinking and all of these things, mm-hmm. and you come to a resolution... Sometimes you relate it when you drop the weight from yeah. your shoulders. No? Yeah. Or they say the uh, stone from is removed from the heart or whatever they say. From the, the soul. From the soul. No? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And so it drops from the soul and that's when you enter the healing phase. And, and let's point out this no? because, yes, that's when you switch into this is the second phase in it. And the second phase, of course, is what we call the healing phase, which anyone who hasn't fully comprehended this work yet calls the sick phase. Exactly. So here's another important point. When you are saying, I'm sick, you're in the healing phase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. There's a huge shift right there. Absolutely. I mean, that happens in my house to this day still, where, you know, my, uh, you know, something will happen where, and I'll come in and of course I'm going, well, here's the, you know, let's see, what is it? Okay, this is where it was. And I start pointing it out. And, you know, there's inside the household, it's like, oh, yeah, I was I was thinking on the old track still. And I was like, oh, I must have caught a. And it's like, no, you're still <laughs> running habit energy that's bringing back conditioning. But when we switch into this phase, I just want to point out that because it can be a little bit elusive. The A, when people start to learn about the the um, the Germanic. Uh, royal art, what happens is a lot of times they uh, are a kind of trying to comprehend, but going, but what's the solution? But how, but where's the solution? How do you point out the solution? And so it's not just enough to say, all right, I just realized that I took on a stink conflict from that event. Um, Although it could be ultimately in order that your biology would back down from one of the, you know, from that, uh, we're, t- we're speaking of a very basic scenario here, which is in two phases where you get the uh, conflict active, and then at some point you switch into the resolution. That switch into the resolution, sometimes the resolutions come uh, completely out of your scope. In fact, how do you think you got out of some different conflicts that you had in the past already? It's, it's almost like intuition. There's levels of, that's a, that's a very important point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on that in a sec. 
there is a certain level of, uh, you know, there could be a certain level of intuition that's related to you seeing how you took on the conflict based on a certain way of seeing yourself and your experience. They say that the most difficult way is to transcend the character that's taking the conflict. The only reason they say that is because that's the great work. <laughs> Self-realization. <laughs> that's why. Now, when you, when you look at it in another way, you go, okay, so A, if it could never happen again, I'll point it out. If you, were, uh, if you took on a conflict and someone hurt you, and that person hurt you when you were a kid, let's say, and then that person's no longer in body any longer, but you haven't updated your system to comprehend that that could never happen again, literally, because that person's no longer in body. But if you can update your system to completely comprehend that is so, Dr. Hummer would say that sometimes you need to take flowers to the grave and, uh, and write an, uh, a, a note to end the saga. Mm-hmm. That could be valuable. But you see, what it's looking for is that you're looking for a completion to it. Yeah. You're looking to say, this is, uh, this happened and we went through the experience and now we're going to resolve this experience and we're going to resolve it for good because that could actually never happen again. Yeah. And, and so that's one of the significant points I wanted to make is when we talk about, um, you know, people who are listening could be going, it seems like the most complicated part of this is finding the conflict. Because that, you know, when it happens right away, you know, and I'd like to, I'd like to say, I'd like to um, put a a mini challenge to our uh, listeners. Bring it on. I think it would be a really cool mini challenge to start with one of the, I would say, probably the most base level ways to comprehend the uh, Germanic royal art with the sneeze, using the sneeze. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it turns out that the sneeze is ultimately the resolution of an annoyance, uh, stink annoyance conflict resolution. And typically, it comes from, and you'll start to notice it, ultimately, there is one way that you can complicate the clarity of this, because if you, if, you, if you look directly at the sun, a lot of times it can also trigger a sneeze. And so typically people will make up some reason why they just looked at the sun or that they saw something bright. But ultimately, when you start to look at it, you can find that the, right before the sneeze, you dipped into a some level of, you know, conflict shock, biological conflict shock. And immediately, because that conflict shock was, its resolution rolled right after it. Mm -hmm. And the sneeze is the healing phase. So the sneeze is the crisis healing phase. It's like the peak that runs. And so that alone, listeners, start to notice when you sneeze and just start to notice where you could have, even it could be in your mind that you saw something a certain way and all of a sudden you took on this annoyance of an immediate experience that took place and then you step away from it. 
So that one's interesting. That helps. That will help people to start to sniff out. That's super interesting. And and, and yes, please, uh, if you sense this happening, send us a note. Yeah. We would love to start listening to to you guys and see what's happening. Sure. Let's let's share some. I mean, we can always share, um, you know, some of the ways that that can be valuable. I want to switch just to point out that in the healing crisis, once you do switch over, the healing is the idea of, quote unquote, the sick phase. That's when you're warm, warm hands, warm feet, exhausted, uh, you know, inflamed, in pain, swelling, appetite. That's when all that comes in. Yeah. And so you now you're seeing that there is a, you know, there is an entire um, beautiful process to this. Yes. And, and whenever you're feeling these uh, symptoms, just relax and trust the yeah, biology of start, your body. Start to honor that there is a much, you know, much more uh, intelligent operation going on than the non-self could imagine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and you know what? Also, I'd like to point out uh, some examples of these biological conflict shocks. Yeah. So so what, what you're going to, to <clears throat> talk about right now, it's... Uh, some of the some of the happenings that come into DHS that produce a like a conflict shock yeah you know, so that people can relate yeah on, on this type of yeah things. because like we said there's a lot of stuff that a someone psychologized it and dropped the 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 level of the acuteness of it down or the drama of it down and psychologized it and didn't comprehend that it was yeah. highly acute dramatic to the physiology and to the uh, yeah right. So like, um, there's a bunch of different ways, and so you know this isn't this isn't ultimately the ultimate list. This is just bringing in some different v- varying degrees of or examples of these conflicts. And so you've got, you know, uh, thinking something's lost, um, feeling unsupported, um, being put on the spot. I mean, there's people that take on a conflict shock because all of a sudden. They're put up in front of their colleagues and have to uh, communicate about some project they're on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, fear of death. I mean, that's, you know, that's all lungs there. Fe- uh, feeling out of place. Someone invaded your space. Um, you know, being held down or restrained. Embarrassment. Imagine these are conflict shocks. Surprise, you know, su- surprise, surprise, surprise pregnancy. Death fright, you know, that's uh, death fright and fear of death are related to the lungs. They're they're a little bit different. Uh, you know, for children, new siblings, all of a sudden showing up. Yeah. These are different ways we can we can pick them up. Loud noises, and that's another one for mothers out there. Oh yeah, this is a good one. This is huge. What we don't understand is a lot of what's going on with that whole path to pregnancy, and the invasiveness that's happening that is not necessarily comprehended as invasive. And one of them has to do with sounds because, you know, when the baby's in the belly, there's different sounds out there. One of them I was reading in the, some of the uh, materials that was talking about a circular saw mm-hmm. where they cut wood with and saying how a circular saw is like a saber-toothed tiger or something. I mean, be, based on it being taken as a biological thing, it's like there's some ferocious wild animal that's about to eat me up. And that's what the baby's taking on. Exactly. He, or, or, or another one that's really interesting is the ultrasound. Oh, yeah. 
huge. No? Like, I mean, if you think about it, and, and we're talking about learning to think biologically, mm -hmm. and not only learning to think biologically, but also learning to live biologically. Mm -hmm. And so we have a great opportunity as human beings to look out into nature, and that, that helps to discern at some point what is biological and what is not biological. Right. And so the, the ultrasound, it's definitely not biological. No, of course, no. <laughs> I mean, there's so many different visits that are incorporated into a business model that aren't actually related to or supportive of the real biological process. Mm -hmm. And so as you brought up the, the point of the um, ultrasound, you know, it's basically been said that the ultrasound is ultimately like equivalent to the sound of a helicopter taking off right next to you. Mm -hmm. So imagine that a baby who doesn't have any comprehension of all of these different things that you do and these m things in the material world. No, all of a sudden there's this absolutely intensive sound of the going on. I mean, obviously the baby is in danger from that sound. How I, I, we, we wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't be able to, to completely answer this factually, but I can tell you that, can you imagine how many conflict shocks are just being imparted by the system just by doing that one scan? Yeah. Because I'm going to point out something gently that's quite controversial, but when you look up, for example, down syndrome and you find out that down syndrome is a constellation that's related to one of the main components to it is hearing constellation and so imagine that the baby took on some levels of conflict and got ultimately configured into down syndrome from conflicts Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that's kind of like it's the, deep. It's the it reality. Yeah. No? It goes deep. And so there are there are many types of, <clears throat> of conflicts. Uh, there's the self devaluation conflicts mm -hmm. that hit on the uh, muscular skeletal system. Uh huh. No? Yeah. There's other types of conflicts like the motor conflict that goes directly to the musculature. Uh huh. And and so all of these are related to different parts of the brain yeah, and different activities. So And different organ levels. Uh -huh. And so what's really interested in, interesting is that Dr. Hammer took the time to draw this huge map yeah. of all of these co correlations. correlations. Yeah. And that's the royal art, no? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You see how it all comes together, how it's all tied in together. Yeah. And, you know, there's just... There's so much here and there's so much to, to peel back. One of the best ways to do this, and we, it, we would feel really uh, that it makes a lot of sense that you would take your time with it, learn it while you're healthy, start to see it in your own experience, reach out to us, check out the GHK page on our website, there's some information there, and it brings you down to, at the bottom of the page, it brings you into the uh, uh, GHK Academy. 
And that content that we are associating um, this learning with is ultimately the closest of the works that are directly related with Dr. Hummer. And, you know, the, the whole opportunity that we foresee, at least right now, is that if we keep bringing this in different segments to the listeners, to you guys, and that we have a, a growing dialogue together where you're hearing this and then you reach out and you go, I have a question with this, or because part of this is not, we're not asking you to believe in the kunde. We're not asking you to believe it. We're saying question and look at this and see it for yourself. See that this is happening for yourself, which we ha- we obviously have been doing for some time to get to the level of being willing to circulate on controversial topics based on how valuable and significant this is for our brothers and sisters. Absolutely. Right? For the mothers and fathers, for the children, this is so powerful. We have a certain level of duty and responsibility that once we have seen this in action, that we want to share this and circulate it. So please reach out, uh, you know, so that we can circulate these dialogues. Hmm? Oh, absolutely. And and I think it's, uh, it's, it's completely related to, I mean, the health sovereignty. It's, it's uh, <clears throat> like a, an absolute relation with the, with a great work. Yeah. With ultimate sovereignty. Exactly. These are the steps because what is this? This is, this is basically taking back certain levels of responsibility for yourself. And when an individual does that, what happens is, is that there is the, what takes place is that one starts to lean into different levels of personal sovereignty. And as you move along the line of sovereignty, what you find is, and this is the thing I wanted to point out, as you work through this profound realization work, what you find is, it's that you don't stop at saying, oh, I'm a biological um, organic machine and this is just what happens. But that you would find out that you're observing the biological machine. You're observing. You're the observer. And so it's also quite profound what happens when you start to shift your perspective as to your actual identity, because a lot of conflicts are related to false identity. Absolutely. So we, we're, this isn't not only just introducing levels of sovereignty where one would <clears throat> not put themselves in a, uh, what would you call it, like a situation where they're, uh, they're signing their... Um, uh, responsibility, the doctor is not being held responsible for it. The person is signing off their own personal accountability to it, yet they don't actually understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. So this table shift, and you start to see that this is actually what's going on with the body. And as you do that, the more that you see it taking place, the more empowered you become. Mm 
And as you become empowered and more sovereign, you are obviously starting to now question other areas where you are lacking a certain level of sovereignty in that experience. And it goes hand in hand with ultimately finding out that you are observing the mind-body world and that you are not in the mind-body world, that the mind-body world is in you and your whole concept of some evil lurking around the corner, you start to challenge that to the point where you relieve yourself of the fear virus. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, one question to, to make it even more relatable, but um, I, I mean, in my family, in my household, we, by understanding this uh, information, we basically stopped using medicine. Yeah. And so it definitely pays off. What what For has sure. been your experience in, in, in oh, this? Oh man, we stopped. I mean, you know, we were, we've been on a trail for a long time. So we, we basically stopped medicine a long time ago, but absolutely there's a, uh, the amount that you, there's a financial component here. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, you know, so there's one of them. There's this whole sovereignty component to it that's really profound. It also, what's interesting is, is that it also has a bonding effect in the family where, you know, you start to see and you 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 start to share and you notice that, like for myself, my daughter will come. My daughter's, you know, uh, 12. She's turning 12 right away um, in a few days. And she'll come up and she'll go, uh, hey, Papa, you know, I was just with my friends and she was just saying that and she starts talking about how she her friend just went through a biological conflict shock, but her friend didn't know it, but that she started to notice. And it's really cool because it's like we've got this bond where we're seeing something. And, you know, when you start to see something and comprehend it and someone close to you sees it and comprehends it automatically there's this bond where it's like, oh man, we're, we've got a new level of communication together. Oh, absolutely. And, and at, in the same token, when, when you are communicating with your, with your daughter or your son or, or in, in, in any case, no, um, there's like this understanding. Um, and of course, there's also an increased awareness mm-hmm. of, of their situation. Mm-hmm. So for me as a parent... Uh, looking at their experience and perceiving when they are feeling some uh, symptoms or SBSs, I could relate to what was right. taking place. Yeah, you're bringing support and helping with that. You're you're aligning with them uh-huh. and what's really taking place. And it's beautiful. Yeah, it's incredible. It's a it's profound. Yeah. So, this is another beautiful aspect of this work is that it is a has a unifying component to it. Of course, there's going to be the, you know, people who are absolutely not interested in growth and different levels of victim personality and things which are definitely not going to, uh, potentially not going to have that, uh, you know, aren't willing to see that opportunity, maybe yet. Um, 
but we're definitely experiencing it in our family. And I can tell you, I'm very grateful for this work. And, and of course, also uh, using, again, utilizing this work for the complete works and not just stopping here and going, okay, now I figured out what's going on with the, the body. Now I'm just going to live this thing out in a different way. And it's like, yeah, but who are you again? <laughs> and there's the self-realization button. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, this was, this is always a, a great topic. Oh yeah. Super deep. There's many much things to, to cover. Yeah. But, um, what about we start going into the golden nuggets? Bring some nuggets out. Uh, bring some nuggets Pull out. Pull out the nuggets. All right. Well, where can we start with the nuggets? Let's start with, uh, well, we're just, we've been talking nuggets this whole, this whole call. <laughs> just, I mean, just go we, back to the beginning, take your time and listen to this podcast again. Um, uh, some of the nuggets I'd like to point out, one being, of course, that as we realize that there's this paradigm shift and we realize that there's this opportunity, one of the nuggets is that you are now getting a certain level of, uh, I would say, not just sovereignty, but you're increasing your level of safety and your uh, pocketbook and your, there's a lot of different pieces that come with this uh, Germanic royal art. So there's some of that. Some of the nuggets are related to, um, you know, comprehending that, A, one of the ones I love is the iron rule of cancer, that all illness is ultimately the process of a biological conflict and a solution phase. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a nugget. It's just so profound that one could start to to be in an entirely different position, what's going on in their experience. Um, what about you? We'll throw some nuggets at us. Well, I think I think there's uh, there's many, many, as you said, we've been throwing nuggets from the beginning. <laughs> um, but you know, understanding that fear plays a big role and you know, becoming responsible instead of a victim. It's, it's a super, super nugget. Mm-hmm. You know? um, understanding that in nature there's no such thing as evil and thus the whole thing of virus and, and the invisible invader and all of that mm-hmm. is, is... The is terrorists and BS, all that, yeah. Basically. Psychological no. operations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another thing that it's super important is the, the um, being interested in growth that's like the the way to take in order to really comprehend and, and take on this this right. royal art. Mm-hmm. And I would I would finalize saying that and recommending that uh, a symptom diary mm. it's it's key. You Absolutely. Know? Because it, it, it helps you start pay attention on what are the symptoms that are living in the household, mm-hmm. yourself, your partner, your your you know, the the kids, whatever, no, but you start taking notice of those things will allow you to connect to the dots, see, yep. connect the dots and, yep. and yeah. So absolutely. Well said, those are great points. And, and I'm, I'm going to throw in a few more that are really just kind of the original points we made. One being learn while you're still healthy. So there's people like, nah, you know what? I'll, I'll figure that out if I get sick. Nah, not the best route with this one. Yeah. So learn it while you're healthy. And again, we were talking about challenging beliefs and, 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 and I'd like to point out that, uh, once again, 
for, for our final comments, belief is a leveraging mechanism. <clears throat> what belief is used for is a leverage to gain you the potential in a direction for experience. Once you've taken on experience, you need to drop the belief so that you can convert the experience into wisdom. Yes. If you don't drop the belief, and that's why we're saying challenge beliefs and then, you know, people are like, well, I believe this and I believe that. That's fine. But you can't sit with a belief because a belief means you don't know. You can't believe and know at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, so if you say you believe, then what you're asserting is that you don't know. The next level to that would be that you would convert it to experience and transmute it to wisdom. Then you will. Yes. So that I wanted to point out about beliefs because it's really important at whatever level our audience is at that you would be willing to challenge not just health paradigm beliefs or health sovereignty beliefs, but beliefs. Then when we're talking about this level of health sovereignty, then you question health beliefs, the good and the evil, the, the immune system and the invisible invaders. That's where you start to have to test those beliefs, right? Yeah. So I just want to point that out because that is pretty important too. I would say. <laughs> and uh, well, uh, we touched on two, two, two um, biological laws. Mm-hmm. There's, there's three more that we might uh, jump into them in another episode. Yeah, let's do just that. To, just Give to them their time and their their fair amount of... Yes, no? Yeah, I And agree. Uh, I just want to make a comment. I mean, today it's uh, January 9th, so we're starting 2024. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're about to start our second, second mastery school. Ooh, oh. thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I think, I think there's good stuff to, to comment on this, on this episode. We are profoundly grateful for it. Sacred Mastery School has, uh, most definitely, it has come out with results that have been very, very profound, and we're flourishing. And so, yes, we're about to release the next round, and uh, very cool, um, let's say, uh, heightened learning opportunities and lots of incredible tools and a lot of profound results. The Sacred Mastery School is an infusion, as we say, of this sacred path and the guidance to reveal and embody this flowing heart space, to reveal the true identity, the true self. Obviously, we've also incorporated the health sovereignty in a very important way and structure, and all aspects of one's life are blessed by this process. And so, yes, we are right around the corner of launching our next round, and we will uh, attach any pertinent information and show notes on that. And if you are interested in getting engaged, we've had some reach out to us. If you're interested in getting engaged in this great work yourself and want to start right away, we invite you to review some of these options, one being, of course, the Sacred Mastery School. So joining or even connecting a group of like-minded friends, family that are compelled to go beyond what limits you. There's a path with the Sacred Mastery School. There's also some opportunities um, to work one-on-one directly with myself, either in video conference or some limited spaces that are potential live in La Baja. And of course... 
tune in to, we're also uh, had just completed our first event that was related to the four sacred seasons. So we just completed our winter solstice event and we'll be moving into our next event as the seasons turn. And so check that out. Tune into one of those four sacred seasons. And that is actually a free global online event and it's really cool. So check it out. There's more coming, dear sacred souls. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing, Jay. And uh, dear sacred souls, thank you very much for connecting and listening to this powerful episode. And of course, if you are moved by this, please share it with your friends and family. And of course, uh, anytime you want, you can contact us. We would love to engage in conversation, answer questions, uh, etc. Even even you can uh, tell us what topics you're interested in, and we can definitely take them into account. Mm. And of course, connect with us through Instagram at Sacred Dynamics with 1D. Visit our website, sacreddynamics.com, or join our Telegram channel at Sacred Dynamics 1D. Thank you very much. And thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to the Sacred Dynamics podcast. Until next time. Stay connected through conscious breath and grounded presence. Namaste. Namaste. Namaste.